Hey, beautiful soul fam. I'm so excited to connect with you here today on Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And today is a beautiful adventure and exploring paths to finding your calling. As I'm sitting down with Brandilyn B. Clay, she has her master's degree in integral counseling psychology, but she's also attended various healing institutes and has a master's certification in intuition medicine from the Academy of Intuition Medicine. And she's also attended a place a couple of times called Damenhor in Italy. This is a renowned spiritual institute nestled in the Alpine foothills. It is a magical place. It's a federation with its own constitution, culture, art, currency, schools, and technology. So we dive into all of that. It is legit. They have real wizards there rocking real wizard hats. It's one of my favorite parts. And she shares, based upon the Daman Horror philosophies, what they say is the absolute key for keeping yourself young. And I guarantee what they share will surprise you. And we also talk about the unique way her awareness of her spiritual gifts started at a very young age and how she kept those abilities alive despite attempts from outside forces like religious programming from the Church of Mormon. And she shares a couple of very profound stories along those lines. And she also very, very vulnerably shares the specific steps she took to renew her being and her body from a cellular level after being sexually assaulted. The big role a form of therapy called EMDR played in all of that and how this all inspired her mission to help other women recover from sexual traumas and restore the sacredness of sensuality by reclaiming pleasure. We dive into tips for all of you empaths out there, how to have compassion versus empathy and not take on other people's emotional energy or pain. We share a lot about the energy healing session that I had with Brandilyn. It was really powerful and I didn't know how much I needed it until the second I could feel the energy pulsating from her hands and her body and I knew it was gonna be a game changer and it was. We get into all of those details how her spiritual gifts work, and how she is a bridge merging modern psychology and ancient healing traditions. We talk about why so many people incarnated right now are these bridges that allow ancient technologies to be of service in the best way possible in these modern times. Just as my calling and mission this lifetime is all about bridging and merging shamanism and taking those teachings and that education to the masses, to the mainstream, especially through various media channels. And one of my favorite things to always talk about is the importance of not placing yourself or anyone else into a box, remembering that we are powerful, beyond measure, multifaceted, multidimensional, multi-talented beings here meant to learn, grow, evolve. And we close today's episode in an incredible sound healing ceremony facilitated by Brandilyn. She works with a crystal sound bowl and provides a beautiful guided journey for grounding. And I want to thank Star Animal Sundays for making this episode possible. They are a line of ethically sourced, repurposed gold, fine jewelry that you might have guessed it, specializes in and highlights the world of power animals. And you know, that is one of the aspects of shamanism that is most near and dear to my heart. The power animal world emerged as my first guides after my spiritual awakening. 
and even came to me to be a voice for them in writing the Animal Power book and card decks that will be out this year. So I recommend you heading to www.StarAnimalsSundays, that's S-T-A-R-A-N-I-M-A-L-S-U-N-D-A-Y-S.com, StarAnimalsSundays.com, and simply tuning in, feeling into all the animal options and allowing your intuition to reveal to you what animal's medicine is calling to you most right now. They have necklaces, rings, bracelets. All of the diamonds are ethically sourced and the gold is repurposed. I'm currently wearing my horse necklace. One of the main healing attributes of horse is connecting to your fullest inner divine power and freedom. And I've been feeling those vibes lately. And at checkout, be sure to use the word STAR POWER, all capital letters, STAR POWER, because not only will that get you a beautiful discount, but 25% of sales using that code will be donated to a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. It's called the Boa Foundation, and they work to preserve sacred and indigenous wisdom traditions from around the globe. So here we go, Soul Fam, into a fantastic voyage of spiritual modality exploration and taking our power back with Brandilyn B. Clay. All right, sister. So good to have you (laughs) sitting across from me today in person. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, thank you, sister. Mm-hmm. I was telling you the other day, you know, it was so nice to meet you that first time here in Texas at uh, the birthday party. And um, you're just so easy to connect with. And I felt a, such a lovely synergy. So when I was meditating on who should my next interviews be, I saw that vision of your face appear mm-hmm. in my mind's eye. And I was like, okay. We're just, even though we've only talked for five minutes, we're just going to go right to and have her be on the show. So thank you for your willingness. Mm. And when I was doing a little bit of research, there were a lot of things that were really interesting to me in your voyage and this earth incarnation. But I was really struck with you so openly sharing of your powerful connection to spirit and source from such a young age through your yoni. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, she's really honest about that. (laughs) So I would love actually if we could just start there because that felt felt pretty unique to me Mm -hmm. that you have that remembrance of your connection to spirit at such such a young age, but it's so directly tied in in that way. So Mm -hmm. take us through a little bit of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, it was like the inner rebel in me was awakened at a young age because I was raised Mormon. And so I was raised in a place where there was a lot of fear of God and a lot of shame for sexuality. And in an interesting way, I feel like that made the repression need the expression Mm. it made all what that was feeling kind of pent up feel like it needed released and of course part of my dharma part of my soul's mission part of who i am as a spiritual being and its truthful state in its authenticity 
is going to come through like whatever the environment or circumstances are. And I remember being six years old and being on my grandmother's couch in her basement alone and using her little shoulder vibrator massager, massaging my legs just very innocently and just kind of accidentally stroking past my yoni and realizing like, whoa, what was that? That was a different feeling. feeling. (laughs) That surge and that energy and, and discovered it then. And I remember being like, wow, this is source. Like this is God. I remember that sense of the pleasure at such a young age being like the most real experience of God that, and of connection to the divine that I had felt. And I knew that it was forbidden and I knew that it was to be kept a secret. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to share that with anyone I was around. So that's kind of the start of that discovery at such a young age. And I, I remember just feeling like awakened in my sexuality, even as a young little girl and in such a counter position to what my environment around me was telling me of not being allowed to masturbate, not being allowed to have sex until you're married, sort of this ban on exploring sexuality at all that was coming from the religious overtones at the time. Wow. So Mm -hmm. what's coming up that I'm curious about? (laughs) So you have these two really strong awarenesses happening simultaneously. How were you able to continue to keep those connections and and gifts like you had that awareness like this is god this is source but yet because of the religion teachings you know sometimes some people then allow that stuff to suppress the spiritual gifts or spiritual awarenesses how were you able to keep them all alive yeah it's a beautiful question you know and I feel that there is a intelligence in our soul that's carried with us from each incarnation into the next. And the way that I held steadfast to my truth and my pleasure and my sense of my yoni verse being a connection to the divine in the culture I was brought up in is still truly a mystery to me. Um, I kept it very secret and I kept it very personal. And there was something for me about how forbidden it was that made it even more significant, that made like pushing those boundaries and having that rebellion even more desirable. And I, when I was baptized, for example, at eight years old, like in the Mormon church, I remember having the blessing and the confirmation where you're supposed to feel the Holy Spirit. And I was so concerned because I didn't feel anything. I was like waiting for it, waiting for it, you know, and talked to my mom after like, I didn't feel the Holy Ghost come through me like I was supposed to. And that was my honest truth at that age. And my honest truth about the connection to source I was feeling was much more through embodiment and through sensuality. So it feels like just this awareness that I had innately in my soul's intelligence 
that was able to speak its truth and um, be encouraged likely by my caretakers or by my family to follow my truth. Like I, I could be honest about when I didn't feel the truth in the church and that was okay and accepted, you know, so. Wow. It's a beautiful question. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I love learning about this with you. So when did you start to feel in safer space to live in a different way where it didn't f- feel like it needed to be hidden or so suppressed or feel in safer space to express more freely to others? Was there a certain turning point where that cork that you kind of had to keep on it in some respects could be uncorked and it was more of a all-functioning unit with the outside more as well? Yeah, I would say I had to repent my bishop when I was 16 for the first experience I'd ever had of fellatio, of having oral sex. And in that experience, I felt so much shame from the way it was handled. And I felt this inappropriate level from the bishop of what questions he asked me. And I felt silenced even in my voice. He said, don't speak if you're nervous. You can just nod your head, yes or no. And in that moment, I just knew that this level of shame that I felt from my repentance process, which was now because you sinned, don't take the sacrament for six months and you're not allowed to pray out loud or offer prayers for six months. And then come back after six months and we'll see how you're doing and if we can get you back into a temple or back into a state of worthiness, essentially. And I remember just feeling like this is bullshit. There's no way that Jesus and the love of Christ would ever want me to feel this encumbered by shame. And And also being instructed to disconnect yourself from Jesus or, you know what I mean? I I can't imagine being told like you're not able, you know, to use your voice and you're not able to pray or you can't keep your connection to Mm -hmm. spirit for six months. My mind is so blown by that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it woke up that soul intelligence that I'm speaking of in that moment and even my energetic awareness I knew nothing of like energy healing formally at the time, but I could feel the energy of shame around me. And I could feel this like thick, stuck, stagnant, icky, gooey thickness around me of not love, of non-acceptance. And, and that just drew a line. You know, there was something that passed my boundaries of knowing that I'm worthy of love in that moment. And I walked out of the church and I looked at the church building and I thought, I will never enter these doors again as a member of this church and really felt a sense of an energetic practice that just came through completely intuitively in that moment of like giving all of the Mormon church's energy that was in my system back to it Mm. and reclaiming all of mine back from it. And maybe a week later went and lost my virginity in the church parking lot. <laughs> Wait, what? And that's when I felt more free in my sexuality was after I made a vow to um, not be 
Mormon anymore, to not identify as Mormon. Yeah. Wow, I did not see that <laughs> that answer coming. That is, wow, that's really powerful, though, because you were young, 16, 18, which? 16. 16, to be mm-hmm. that, just that clear and that deeper soul knowingness of what is off and being able to discern. Because I would guess if if your family was or is Mormon, I mean, that's that's a pretty strong decision to have to make on your own at 16, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it is. And I actually had gone to the bishop to repent when I was 16 because my boyfriend at the time was going to go on a mission and he had to go repent to be able to go on a mission. And even though he lived five miles away from me, when he repented to his bishop, his bishop said, you need to tell your girlfriend to repent to her bishop or else I can call her parents. So to avoid having my parents receive a phone call, it's like, hey, your daughter experienced oral sex. That's what made me go repent. Even though I wasn't really active in the church at the time. I see. And I was very blessed because my family sort of all came out of the Mormon religion like dominoes. You know, we all kind of had our own personal journeys and stuck together really as a family. It was a process over years, but there's been a lot of deep love and acceptance with my immediate family, mm-hmm. my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister, and sort of seeing eye to eye and banding together as a family. So I feel super, super blessed for, for that. They're all very open-minded. That's beautiful because, you know, here you sit with your tuning forks and your crystal healing ball and you know, I had an energy healing session with you yesterday. And so you're definitely not someone who is closeted with your spiritual gifts and abilities. And so I love, um, I'm very happy for you that um, you're able to probably share them with your family. I don't know, have you ever actually done an energy healing with any of your immediate family members or just do they know what you do? Or They've been very supportive of me studying art and music and going to school for psychotherapy and developing my intuitive gifts. And my mom like is really intuitively gifted as well. She was always having dreams with premonitions that would come true. And um, naturally she has that part of herself. And I have not done a formal energy healing on my family members because in the way I was taught and trained in energy medicine, we're so vulnerable to picking up energy of our either loved ones, partners, or family members. It can be a little tricky and it can be a a confusing place for the person to fully receive the healing or the transmission because they see us so much as the sister or the daughter. It's hard for them to allow that transmission that comes when we're stepping into being a conduit for healing or a vessel for higher dimensional energy to transfer and transmute. Um, There can just be more in the way of what fully allows us to get out of our own way and step out of ourselves for a minute to allow that. So I personally don't 
offer those energy healing sessions to my close family members or to, I do to my husband sometimes, you know, but it's got to be in a projection free zone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally relate. I know it's, I think it's fascinating. I'm glad that you brought all of that up Mm -hmm. um, because I've had similar experience. Uh, You know, some people have said throughout the years, like, oh, I bet you're sister or brothers or mom or, you know, so glad you're a shaman. I bet you do. You know, so I'm like, actually, <laughs> quite to the contrary. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. They're, mm-hmm. They are super happy with who I am. That mm-hmm. part, yes. But in terms of actually doing healing sessions and healing work, it does not occur in that way for me either. Mm-hmm. The closest any of that ever came was a number of years ago during Christmas. Um, I typically go back to Indiana where I'm from and visit family. And when I was visiting my dad's house where my two younger brothers live, and I was there with my sister, my uncle Jeff, who's my dad's brother, came over. And I love, I mean, I love all my family members, but Uncle Jeff is just the funny how he said it. He's this retired fireman, you know, this kind of tall, burly man. And he's like, so Allison, he follows me on social media and checks my website out and stuff. I, I read lately, you've been doing a lot of that chakra stuff. You mind, uh, <laughs> you mind doing any of that on me tonight? And I thought, and no, no one had ever asked in my immediate family. And so I thought, wow, how beautiful that Uncle Jeff, like something is resonating with this chakra work with him. And so I, I said, well, yeah, if you would like that, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. So we rolled out, my dad has owned fitness centers my entire life and has been a coach. So we rolled out the ab mat, you know, and laid my uncle Jeff down. And I did a little mini brief chakra cleansing and healing and, um, you know, played some some shamanic music. And, you know, it was, it was really beautiful for me to witness an immediate family member step into and, and want to receive that kind of work. And mm-hmm. Also really fascinating to witness um, what got evoked in all the other family members present and their reactions or non-reactions to the work that was occurring. It was all very interesting dynamic. But yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you shared a little bit more how that can work. Yeah, and it's beautiful he asked. Yes. You know, I think it would be another thing if, if I was asked. Completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because that's how I work too. I'm never invasive with my gifts and abilities, but Mm -hmm. yeah, he came walking right in, was just like all there for it. So Mm -hmm. I thought, sure, you know, if I am more than willing to, um, to do it, if you're willing to receive. So you touched upon your studies with psychotherapy and I really want to get into this orb with you specifically as much as we can, because I, I love how you're such a strong representation of someone who seems really balanced when it comes to studies of a certain kind over here and studies of a certain kind over here. You know, (laughs) you've got your master's, I believe, Mm -hmm. in, can you clarify what it's in? Yes, it's an integral counseling psychology uh, master's program for psychotherapy. Yes, Mm -hmm. so you've done that and then... Don't tell me because I put it down somewhere. I want to be able to find it. 
Oh, here we go. And you've also gone to the Academy of Intuition Medicine. Mm -hmm. And we have also chatted about, I can't wait um, for you to share a bit of your your time in Domenher in Italy. Mm -hmm. And so I just love that you have gone deeply Mm -hmm. into studies in different ways. So I don't know, how was that for you? I don't know what's coming up when I'm bringing this up, but just love to hear any of your thoughts on all of that. Yeah. Well, I did my master's in psychology two-year program at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And I before that, I did my bachelor's degree at Naropa University. So I chose the two accredited universities I know of in the United States that have Eastern influence. Naropa is founded on the work of Chogyam Trungpa, the creation of Shambhala, the creator of the book Shambhala, that's like a utopian society, Tibetan Buddhism. And the California Institute of Integral Studies history was founded off of Sri Aurobindo's work, who's Hindu poet, yogi, philosopher. So that was a really unique part of my academic training to begin with, is that I found these institutes, universities that like really integrated some form of Eastern philosophy, Eastern science. It was very different than going to school for psychology at a state university or something. So I went into this program so hopeful I would learn more about energy and um, more about the chakras and deepen my knowledge of different types of yogic philosophies and whatnot and was pretty amazed that even in a program where it's called integral psychology after two and a half years of study I still didn't have one professor that spoke about energy I was just like how can this be you know Um, I was really curious about that. So thanks for being honest. I I wanted to know (laughs) what your experience was. Yeah. Well, it still has to be accredited by the standards that it needs for licensure and for different boards of health council per state. Right. And so there's a lot that used to be in the program or in the training or a lot of the legacy of Sri Aurobindo's work that's not included in the curriculum Mm. anymore in these master programs, which is sad. And I think as a student, I was one of the only students that was really thirsty for that. I was like, please keep this class going where we learn about, you know, the whole legacy of Sri Aurobindo's work and more of his like divine channeling and higher dimensional healing. But it was hard to find even though that's what the school's foundation was built off of. And so because uh, you started to notice there was a bit of lack of what your soul was craving Mm -hmm. in that particular place, is that part of what then led you to these other institutes and places to get that more energy side of things? Yeah, and it was the healing that I needed and hadn't found yet. Okay, I was seeing eight clients a day, through practicum. Wow. And so at that time, I'm also wanting to uh, formulate my mind and understanding, Uh were you with those clients, was it more psychotherapy-based? Psychotherapy. Got it. Yeah. This is like in my year after finishing grad school through practicum, like first year in the field, 
So they're not coming to you to get what I got yesterday. No, not at all. (laughs) And I was doing psychotherapy and felt kind of like I needed to stick to modalities that I had learned and theories that I had studied at the time, which were useful. But when I was practicing then, I hadn't found like the medicine that is Brandolin. Yes. Like what it, it felt like I was like, I, I couldn't let that fully emerge within all the tools and theories that were still kind of processing in my brain that I'd recently learned and studied. Um, and so when we work intuitively, it comes from my soul. You know, it's like I feel like, like I can fully allow my healing medicine, my vibrational medicine of who I am as an energetic being to come through. And when I was working just as a psychotherapist, I didn't feel liberated in that sense. And I would come home from seeing eight clients a day working for free in the mission to get hours towards licensure. And I would feel like a soggy paper towel after doing a watercolor painting, you know, when it's like murky of all the different colors of energy and just turns to like gray in the Mm. middle and brown. And I couldn't distinguish what was my emotional Mm. energy and what I was holding for someone else. And I knew in my heart that there were energetic tools and practices I needed to know how to have full sovereignty energetically in my system so that I could hold space at a deeper level for people without absorbing any of their emotional energy in the Academy of Intuition Medicine. Francesca McCartney, the founder, speaks to um, compassion versus empathy. And Pema Chodron has a quote that says, empathy is idiot compassion. And the philosophy behind that's that when we're empathizing or over-empathizing, we're taking energy in from our second chakra, where we hold our more intimate relational energy and sexual energy, and sometimes absorbing. Mm-hmm. Like if a person's speaking to us about their traumas, we'll take some of that into the body thinking, oh, this is if I know it and if I feel it from here, then I'll be able to speak to it. So I had to train myself on how to stop doing that and instead hold space from a place of compassion of having my heart open, feel my fourth chakra able to really listen and be present with it with while keeping my second chakra closed and not absorbing any emotional energy that's not mine. Okay, so hold mentally where you're at in this story, <laughs> but I feel like it's yeah. so important to pause right here because I bet there's so many people listening right now that's like, wait, tell me where this is me. I know that I do this and it's mm-hmm. exhausting me or I'm, you yeah. know, feel sadness that I don't think is mine. So yeah, any additional tips or steps yeah. that you can share? I just can relate so much. And I think a lot of empaths experience this, mm-hmm. what feels like a curse, but it, it actually, once we harness the gifts of that curse is a great blessing of absorbing energy that's not ours, feeling permeable and absorbent of emotional energy that doesn't belong to us and isn't actually rooted from us. And it was that call to figure that out in myself that made me go so deep into the certification of energy medicine. One thing that kind of made it click 
for me was being in spiritual integrity. What does that mean to be in spiritual integrity? And to, in this context, to be tending to the business that's mine, to be tending to the dharma that's mine and the karma that's mine. So even if my husband or my best friend or my sister, someone I love deeply comes to me and says, like this big expression of all this emotional energy, say, I'm so angry, I'm so sad. I know that that's her anger and that's her sadness for her soul to learn from, for her to heal, for her to feel, and for her to process. It's not mine. And even as a healer or a therapist, if I choose to take in some of that energy and run it through my own system and feel it for her, that's me stepping out of what my business is and what my work is to do, what I need to feel or my karma or my dharma. So it's this beautiful honoring of boundaries of each human and of each being's sovereignty and of each being's energetic sovereignty, like your path, your essence, your dharma, your karma, and my path, my essence, my dharma, my karma. And being in spiritual integrity means, no, I'm not going to go pick up some handfuls of that energy for anyone and put it in my system. That feels like outside of spiritual integrity with the honoring of each other's full sovereignty. So once I understood that, and of course thought, oh, I want to be in full integrity with the way I practice, um, that really made a difference in how I began to relate. Yeah, that's a really great way of explaining it. And I've, you know, done so much work in exactly what you're just saying Mm -hmm. over the years and have gotten to a place where I, I have such strong discernment and boundaries and, and everything, but it, it took a lot of focused effort to arrive here. And because one thing that a big light bulb moment, there were so many that I had from a previous relationship that provided my spiritual awakening. But one thing that I really learned about myself was my rescuer tendencies or just wanting to be loved and liked tendencies, especially by that previous partner. When he was going through something the way that I would get enmeshed in an in codependency with him, it's so disempowering for that person too. You know, I realized that I wasn't even giving him a breath or a space to find his own navigation or to find his own power inside mm-hmm. of himself because I was too busy trying to fix it for him and, and not giving him any room to grow on his own. And that's just one example And the other little snippet that came up with that share was, you know, and of course, this isn't a blanketed statement for 100% of the time, but what you shared is exactly why when someone's going through a really hard time, or I actually remember when a close friend who I knew from high school, when she found out their daughter was going to be born with dwarfism Mm -hmm. and I never go to people in those situations and say, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that because I know that it's all divine, you know, and I trust in it all. And there's such powerful ascension medicine and everything. Or, you know, a follower on Instagram who I have such an ancient soul connection with, he lives in Africa and he had shared that his mother had passed. And 
I never want to say, oh, I'm so sorry for that. And when I didn't say that, and I just said, I'm sending your family so much love, he then was able to step in and, and share with me all the teachings and the closeness that he's now feeling to his mother in the spirit realm. And I just wanted to share, because those were just two of the bubbles that came up. With yeah, that. it's beautiful. I often share a simple metaphor to describe exactly what you're talking about with clients of viewing energy as color, right? I can see energy as color. So if we have someone that comes into our therapy room or someone that comes into our life and they're this full bubble of bright red, emotionally spewing anger, and we meet them there in bright red, we're creating a room just so full of bright red. How do we get out of bright red? Where if I am really focused on staying blue, staying calm, and I allow this full presence of the red, when we begin to mm, talk and communicate, we have created purple Mm -hmm. together, you know? So there's so much more alchemy and transmutation of energy of us meeting somewhere of like allowing that chemical reaction that happens when two souls meet by staying in the sovereign truth of what is my emotion, what is my feeling, what is my essence right now, and what is yours, rather than merging with it. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. it makes things get so blurry and much more challenging to resource, really, when that merging happens. And I think a lot of us were raised with codependent models in our family structures and family systems. And I'm really happy you brought that up because sometimes it's coming from the most pure intended place of wanting to take care of someone you love, of wanting to help another person heal. And when we fall into those patterns, it can be such a big distraction from our own spiritual work, right? Bingo. Yeah. And and I, without even realizing it, you know, I had relationships in my early 20s where I didn't realize until I got out of the relationship, but that for almost that whole relationship, I had been putting my needs on the back burner to attend to this other person's needs or what I saw is I saw their healing as the priority. And there's a little inner voice that's subconscious that happens in there where you're saying, oh, you're not as important as them. You know, what is that to have that kind of a self-narrative no like actually what we need to feel and focus on and heal in our spiritual sovereignty in our own soul's journey is most important thing to tend to and it wasn't until I felt I had claimed sovereignty in myself and vowed to listen to myself and vowed to tend to my inner needs first not someone else's that I was able to manifest my husband yeah, my partner who was also in that space. I wasn't able to even attract the right kind of partner when I was in that older program of needing to be somebody else's healer. 100% yeah. relate fully. I, yeah, I, once the veil lifted after my awakening, I so clearly saw that, yes, by me being so outwardly focused and fixated on tending to my ex's needs and all of his issues, I was like, oh, I was 
not addressing any of my own healing that I needed to do or any of the shadows of myself that I needed to face. And um, in a different version from what you shared, I believe it was me distracting myself from doing the real work that I knew I needed to do to align with my mission. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there was a part of me that was still perhaps nervous to be who I really came here to be. And boy, what an easy distraction to focus all of my healing efforts on someone else instead of doing my own work. And yes, same with Luke and I, it uh, took both of us, you know, countless years of of doing healing work and facing things, feeling things. Um, For him, it took 24 years of sobriety. And for both of us, it involved long passageways of celibacy to arrive at a place of sovereignty and sovereignty for us to then come together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it can definitely happen. And I'm just sharing that for any of you out there, because anytime we share anything about our relationship journeys, I typically get messages of like, this is helping me keep hope alive, or you're mm-hmm. helping me keep the faith. It's the exact thing I needed to hear for those that are maybe three years celibate or longer, or have been single for a really long time. It's like, just keep doing all that inner deep work that you know you need to do individually. And that's what puts you into that alignment with your partner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anything yeah. else you want to share about partner stuff? And because you are in quite a lovely sacred partnership. <laughs> we are. I feel super blessed. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I actually created an online course called Amrita. Oh, it's on it my notes to get was to. Great. All about helping guide women through the inner work that she needs to claim sovereignty, reclaim sovereignty, and get in touch with ourselves and our sensuality and express our creativity and balance our inner masculine and feminine. Because I felt like having having gone through that myself, there were these keys I found that felt like this is what I needed before I was ready Mm. for partnership before I was really truly ready for my soulmate to come in. So I, I'm very passionate about sharing that information and helping um, both men and women attract their soulmate and attract their love. And that really comes from being it yourself. And if there's just one thing to share for anybody who's listening that might be in that place of looking for love, um, balancing your own inner masculine and feminine to begin to sort of chew on that and ask yourself what that means. Um, I had a really deep healing of claiming the masculine inside of myself. And it felt like it was something I'd always been kind of disconnected from and something I'd project outside of myself. Um, And it was actually this past lifetime memory that came through that allowed for the healing to happen and allowed for some release of like cellular trauma that I had carried in my cells from a lifetime where I actually was a man and died a very tragic death of receiving head trauma and like freezing. And I was falling asleep at night in my bed and I remembered Mm. this vision of this past life as I was in the Academy of Intuition Medicine and doing modules on past life healing and on balancing the masculine and feminine. And I realized that this part of myself that I had been projecting into my father, my brother, and all of the men in my life that was like, oh, I don't trust you fully. I don't trust you fully was actually 
a part of me, a part of the masculine in the memory of my own selves from a previous incarnation where I had acted out of violence in a cold war and finally gave in and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't like be in this violence anymore. I have to let it go. And so I remembered this death from a previous incarnation and felt actual cellular trauma, like move out of my body. I felt shakes, like discharge, Mm -hmm. release. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like that thing inside of me, my whole life that has made me not fully trust in men was actually me projecting this part of myself into them and realizing that I had the divine masculine inside of me as much as I have the divine feminine inside of me and learning how to balance that polarity in myself and feel like the male aspect and the female aspect of myself are on the same team and are in love and are working as partners together in life. That helped me completely shift the kind of man that started showing up in my life when I started to honor the divine masculine in myself suddenly the divine masculine in men was showing up all around me. Hmm. Very important to hear. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for sharing. And then what I'm curious about Mm -hmm. in that share is another thing I learned about you through my research is what you experienced with sexual assault. Yeah. And so if you would feel comfortable sharing a bit about what happened because it seems like you are very strongly embodied and teach a lot about sensuality, intimacy, pleasure. Mm -hmm. And when I read your story, I know that you really came face to face with wondering if you would ever be able to feel pleasure again and all the work that you did to transcend that and heal those pieces. So I would love to hear if that experience played a role in the mistrust of men and in any of what you just shared and um yeah how you came through that experience yeah um i was in san francisco i was 23 years old and went to a party and it was actually a party of like burners and um people that worked in some very high-tech companies in the bay area and So I felt like I was safe and with friends. I, in going to this party, had wanted to go home. And I was with a girlfriend and she wanted to go to the party. And at three times, I was probably like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And she was like, come on, please, can we go for just an hour? And I was like, okay, fine. So first thing there was I didn't listen to myself. And I let the desire or the need of another person override intuition in that moment override what I was feeling and went to this party had a drink in the drink was GHB and which you did not know it had when it was given to you it had no Mm -mm. and there was a guy and he said would you like this drink you know and I was like sure like thanks I'll have a a drink just trying to kind of get settled there because of not really wanting to be there in the first place And um, so drank the drink, lost consciousness, and it's a blur. 
it's a total blur, you know, and I do have this vague memory of just be like laying down somewhere and this man coming in and walking towards me and me saying no and the no not stopping anything from happening. And finally, you know, gained consciousness back, woke up a few hours later and grabbed my keys and ran and left and went home and just cried a river of tears and took a bath and felt like, oh no, like, will I ever be able to feel pleasure again? Like it felt like someone had taken that from me, that which was the most sacred aspect of me and was a really intense experience of violation. I didn't dare talk to anyone about it. I didn't dare sue them because they felt too intimidating. They made too much money. They felt too much, too powerful. And I, I initially looked for a thousand reasons to blame myself because I wanted to take responsibility for it instead of be a victim to say that rape had happened to me. It took me months to even be able to like say that word and claim the truth of what happened and being a victim in that experience. I had resistance to it. And so that's what really made me seek psychotherapy Mm -hmm. in myself for the first time was I was having nightmares. I was going to sleep, locking all the windows, closing all the blinds, locking the doors, checking that they were locked five times. I was jolted every time I drove in my car by the presence of other cars feeling like everything was going to smash into me. Mm. Um, So I felt this way for like three or four months until I finally reached out to a therapist who specialized in trauma therapy and got a session for EMDR. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing is what EMDR stands for. And it's this beautiful modality that helps your brain get reset after trauma. It helps reset the amygdala, which is like the smoke detector or the alarm that goes off in the brain thinking, I'm in danger, I'm in danger. There's a threat, there's a threat. And after traumatic experiences, that part of the brain will be going off like a smoke detector going off when there's no fire. Which is why when you're just driving, you mm-hmm. feel like the cars are going to attack or get you or or in, in other situations yeah. where you wouldn't normally have I was have afraid that. to go outside mm-hmm. of my apartment, you know. And just one session of EMDR and I never had another nightmare mm. about the incident again. I could drive, I could leave my house and go to the grocery store and go get food and fall asleep without having to check the door five times. I really felt that shift in my brain, in my amygdala that reoriented my brain in time and space and said, this incident is in the past. It made that incident officially go into the past and my brain could function relating to it that way where those three months before I had the EMDR therapy, it was like every day my brain thought that I was still in that same environment of threat and danger and fear. So that experience is what made me want to become a psychotherapist and learn EMDR to help women heal from trauma and sexual trauma. Because like 
I felt like I got myself back and my life back. And on a personal level, you know, there was during, after that happened, there were a lot of nights where I just laid in the bath and cried and reclaiming my pleasure with myself from my own self-pleasure practice was a huge part of my inner healing and to feel like I was reclaiming that pleasure as mine, like using my own hands, my own sense of massage, my own sense of care and sensuality to feel pleasure in my body again and to feel safe with myself mm-hmm. in my body again. Right. So for months, having that alone time and having these long baths and nights of self-massage and nights of self-pleasure was uh, a huge part of my healing and and it did like awaken this fire in me of like no one can take that away like no one can take that away and I will not let them you know and so it it kind of gave me like this re this fierceness or revamped my fire to have the full reclaiming of my sacred sensuality from having that experience. So, wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to be able to share that story and stay calm and resourced in my body. It took years until I was able to share that story without shaking or crying or, you know, feeling a little off. So, to honor the amount of healing that's come through for me, you know, since that happened almost nine, 10 years ago um, is really beautiful. So just to feel that ability to share this story speaks to the amount of healing that's happened since then. And for that, I'm just so, so grateful. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to get more glimmerings of a vision of the how the weaving of your calling, you know, is <laughs> starting to come together and take shape more and more mm-hmm. and more. So I would love if you would share a little bit about that, your dedication to feeling and healing and transcending and studying and all these different capacities at what point did you or are you still exploring Mm -hmm. what you feel your ultimate calling or mission or purpose here this lifetime is? Mm, At what point did I feel the knowing? Yes. Of my mission? Yeah, you're going all these different places and doing all this, you know, deep work and and studying. It's like, Mm -hmm. was there a moment for you where a light bulb went off and was like, oh, this is my calling? Yeah. Yeah. That was in my first ayahuasca ceremony. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Which was just about a year and a half after the incident happened. I think that like our soul knows when we speak to knowing, you know, like I'd say my intuition always knew. Like that inner child in me that was innocent and wild and feminine and connected to my body at six, like she knew and she still knows and she's known all the way through and through then the conditioned aspect of ourself that gets influenced by society and the media and um that gets hardened you know or armored by 
our life's experiences, our traumas, our pains, then that part forgets. And I would say that my first psychedelic experience with ayahuasca really helped me remember what I already know in my soul and to see like, oh, this is why all of this has happened because I am meant to share this gift of healing with others and to be able to be a guide. I really believe as a therapist or a coach or a healer or whatever it is that people want to call themselves, we can only really take a person as far as we've gone. Absolutely. So when we're seeking for healing in a certain aspect of life, to find the person who's gone through what it is we are needing support with. For example, like when I became a mom, I realized I didn't want to have any therapist in my life in any more personally who wasn't a mom. Like I needed a, to talk to a mom to help have someone who could hold space and understand the initiation I was experiencing as a mother. So yeah, I think I may have gotten a little sidetracked there, but. <laughs> oh no, it's all good. And so, yeah. yeah, how would you describe what you feel your calling is this lifetime? Mm-hmm. I feel my calling is to be a guide for women, to support women throughout all of the phases of womanhood, throughout the full journey of maidenhood and of motherhood. And later in my life, I look forward to focusing on the areas beyond that to be a guide for the sacred feminine. Mm-hmm. I And I feel like there's so much healing in our world right now with the feminine. And there's such a beautiful awakening and reclaiming happening. And so I just feel so excited to be part of the collective consciousness of the divine feminine right now as a woman incarnated in this body and to be a sister to women who who need some support who need some guidance along the way of of holding that divine feminine and its awakening with such softness and gentleness um, and deep care mm-hmm. as it deserves so Hey fam, I want to take a moment to thank this episode's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. I used to be one of those people who wasn't really too concerned about getting any sort of regular blood work or general health checkups. I was just of the school of thought, hey, if I sense I'm healthy, if I feel I'm healthy, that was good enough for me. But for some reason lately, I have been way more interested in knowing the specifics about my health. And that's where Let's Get Checked comes in. If you go online, you can select any of their tests, everything from fertility to sexual health, cholesterol, thyroid, lots more. What I went with was the micronutrient test. And this one checks your levels of vitamin D, B12, E, copper, selenium, zinc, magnesium. And this is the best part. It's super easy. They send you the test in the mail with everything you need to collect your sample. And then you just mail it back. Yes, it's that easy. And then within two to five days after you mail it back, you get your results online. 
actually learned I was low in vitamin D, so I have stepped up my supplement game there. And I didn't feel the need to do this, but you also have the option to go over your test results with one of their nurses. So I just wanted to let you know about this option because you can get the test you want done without having to make an appointment, go to a doctor's office and all of that. You can check out all of the testing possibilities at www.trylgc.com backslash CCP and use the code CCP20. That's the number two zero. So the code is CCP20. That gets you an amazing discount. So once again, I know the website's a little tricky to remember. You can also head to my show notes and I will have it listed there. You can just click on the link. But the website is www.trylgc.com backslash CCP and use that code CCP20. It'll get you the discount. And here's to your health and thriving. Yeah, you definitely bring very deep care, which I can personally attest to. Mm -hmm. You know, I, for those of you listening, when I reached out to Brandilyn, I I said, you know, does this resonate with you to come on Ceremony Circle? Because I got the vision to have you on as a guest. And and she said yes. And then the next intuitive hit that I got was, and I and I don't ask this of every guest, but there was just something I wanted to be able to experience your energy healing. And I wanted this interview to be spoken of from that place. And so, yes, she agreed to, you know, give me a a little taste of um, her various offerings. And so we went to Luke and, and my new house, which we're not living in yet. There's still renovations being done. And, and we were aware of that. And we went upstairs to you know, one of the bedrooms does, there's no doors on the doorways or construction workers downstairs. And we just had two little cushions from outdoor uh, seating to sit on. And yeah, it was just really, I just knew I, I, there was zero resistance, you know, talking about discernment that we touched on earlier and me being highly discerning, but I just, there was no need to like wonder, oh, is it safe to enter into having an energy healing with you? I just, I knew I was good. Yeah, it was just such a beautiful container. And I shared with you that happened yesterday, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday when it happened, um, you know, before the work even like truly was was starting, I just could feel the currents, these powerful pulsating waves and currents of energy coming off your hands and emanating from you. And they were very pronounced and very strong in a good way. And um, it was just beautiful for me to feel that and to feel your power and to let myself just receive so deeply and so fully because I needed it. You know, I, again, for those of you listening, I think if you've been listening, you know, I've been writing this book, Animal Power, and it's one of, if not the biggest teachers of my entire career. And it has just been such a journey to birth this book out. And I had been feeling really exhausted. And after the healing with you, as I mentioned yesterday, I, for the first time, this light bulb went off because I was like, why am I so exhausted? And I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I have been stewarding this book and holding just 
such deep, vast, powerful space for this book to come out in the way that I know it has to, of integrity and of ancient truth and, you know, whole being an embodiment of shamanic, powerful shamanic medicines. And there's also the responsibility as a shamanic teacher, you know, to, to share truth and around shamanism. And then there's also contributors in the book and it's making sure that I'm holding the space appropriately for them Mm -hmm. to be included. And I just did not realize until yesterday, um, what a big job that has been and what a big role that has been Mm -hmm. that I've been in. And, um, I just wanted to let you know, I felt so, I feel like a completely different person from that session with you. It mm-hmm. just got, we focused on grounding and I'll let you share about what comes up for you when you do that work and what your experience was as you were guiding it. But f- um, for me, yeah, I just got back into my body, dropped so deeply back into, you know, I always connect into Great Mother Earth, but the way we did it yesterday just got me back into a zone that somehow in this book journey I'd gotten out of somehow. Uh, I haven't connected that dot fully yet. And the color green this today keeps working with me. That was the color we focused on. And just really a game-changing session that helped me arrive back home very firmly. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Really strong work you do. Thank you so much for that. Such an honor to facilitate. And we all need a little bit of support with our energy sometimes. Even myself as an energy healer, have people I work with for an energy healing when I need a boost and having some support and some space holding for us to receive and allow ourselves to receive. It can be so much easier to ground or so much easier to clear just having that space held for us to be receptive versus you know women like us that are holding space a lot in life so I'm really honored and it was beautiful for me to experience that with you and it's always a little hard to put words to how intuitive healing works because we're working in a higher dimensional realm that we really don't have the full language for in right. <laughs> the way we communicate right I have always been a very intuitive person and I'm so grateful to my energy healing studies for helping me reclaim my intuitive gifts. And for me, psychology is sort of like the masculine. It holds these structures and this beautiful understanding of our neurobiology and of our brains functioning that will hold a foundation for this higher realm energetic work and transmission of healings from energies that are beyond us to come in and to really be fully embodied and to really um, hold inside of a person's full embodiment. So, you know, I just tune in and ask for permission to give you a healing and ask you to say your name three times and When you do, it's like I make this connection and I can see a blueprint around your energy body of what it's needing. I can, I get guidance and receive this knowing from, for me, it works visually as through clairvoyance of seeing what it is that needs support, what it is that needs rebalancing and, and then work with it as I, as I'm guided. And it's just really this 
practice of getting myself out of the way because the coolest thing about energy healing is that I'm not the one doing the healing. You know, it's me being a conduit or a vessel for this healing to happen and getting myself out of my own way is the practice that allows for this transmission of energy and for this connection to that intuitive guidance that's that we're all a part of that's always here and that's coming from a higher source a higher form of intelligence to to hear that and and be guided by that so i can't really take any credit myself for what happens with an energy healing um it's all from a a force and a, a, a from source that's beyond us and what I can take credit for is the practices and the training that I've done that have helped me learn how to get out of my own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Because I was going to say that if you didn't, I was like, girl, give yourself some credit. You yeah. put in a lot of work to be able to do what you do. But yes, you said it. And um <laughs> Yeah, it was so nice. It was so beautiful to hear the affirmation when you tuned into my heart and Mm -hmm. saw how big and open, I can't remember the exact words you used, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that uh, a couple of days before at the house, Luke had had some, I don't want to label them as biohacker friends, but I, I guess that's essentially what you could call them. They do different things in that industry. And I can't say it all. What there, there was this awesome guy named Freddie there who runs these diagnostics on you and he's got his laptop and you clip these things to your wrist and it runs like brain scans. And I, I don't know, I, I can't, I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I don't know, somehow I'll, maybe I'll have to have him on to explain what he did. But I bring this up because one of the many readings that it does is it shows a reading of your heart. And like, there are three different ways that your heart beats or works or something. Mm-hmm. And then that pie graph shows you like, of those three different forms, you know, which one is functioning the most, because if one area is functioning a lot, then you might be a person that's prone to just constantly being in like a state of feeling you have to be productive and busy and a little bit more angsty and anxiety ridden. And, you know, that's just one example. But he, when my pie graph of the heart popped up, he like gasped and he said, oh my gosh, I've never in 10,000 people that we've run these diagnostics on, no one has ever, it was completely balanced and equal in Mm -hmm. all parts of my heart. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just hearing that and hearing from you about my throat chakra and when my guides came in to just honor me for the work that I've put in for the expression of my calling. And Mm -hmm. it's just nice, you know, because I know how devoted I am to this path and this work and complete devotion and Mm -hmm. how much work I have done to have my heart be this open and expansive and things. So it's just nice to hear sometimes. Yeah, I really felt that it was permeable when we focused on the heart chakra, clearing and recalibration, the whole room, like I could touch the energy that was just so strongly emanating from your heart it's beautiful and rare and something that I don't experience in in most of my sessions. So it's truly such an honor to hold sacred witness to what energy is radiating and emanating from your mm-hmm. heart. So thank you for for being who you are in the world and for sharing your love and for being on this path of devotion so strong. Thank you so much, sister. I see Mm -hmm. you too. And thank you too. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, goodness. Um, I also wanted to touch on with you because our work is different, but we are similar in that we merge and bridge. You know, mm-hmm. you you are a bridger of these, you know, psychological um, psychotherapy teachings with these ancient wisdoms and ancient traditions. And then me, my mission very much is a bridge of shamanism, but to the masses and to the mainstream, most oftentimes through various channels of media. So, you know, I don't know what comes up for you when I start to talk about that, but I tend to find in the most awesome of ways, like almost everyone in my life are these radical bridgers. Mm -hmm. And even well, I shouldn't maybe use him as, as an example. I kind of want to because he's so in my mind's eye, but I don't want to speak <laughs> his story for him. But just people in such unique ways, I think in ways the world has not ever seen. Right now, there are these mergings happening of these modern times with these ancient ways and ancient traditions. So what comes up for you with all of that? Mm, just yes. <laughs> such a big confirmation. I really feel that in my spiritual identity of self as a bridger of realms and a bridger of worlds. We all are really as humans bridging heaven and earth, bringing heaven to earth. Like our crown is towards the sky, towards the heavens and towards the stars and our feet are on the ground as we walk and in everyday life as the experience of being a spirit in a human body we really are bridging heaven and earth we're bringing these higher dimensions and these ancient intelligences from different traditions all around the world through and it's so important for them to meet the structures in the modern world right now. It feels like our world's in a time of serious change, serious shift, and that's what's needed. I just, you know, can say from my personal experience that I have identified as a psychotherapist and I came into energy healing and then I identified as an energy healer and wanted to totally let go of psychotherapy for all of its flaws. And then have spent lots of time on dietas in the jungle in Peru, studying with different plant medicines and have seen the plant medicines as the teachers and thought, well, maybe I'll let go of both the energy healing and the psychotherapy and I'll just study with plants and curanderas. And throughout my own journey and throughout the years, the integration of all of these worlds holds so much truth. And I feel my personal path of healing in such higher integrity when I'm able to integrate these worlds together and see the truth that's inside of all of them. Like in grad school for psychology, I got so much more training on trauma, which is so important Mm -hmm. to really be a person of full integrity and credibility when we're holding space for another person to heal their traumas. Especially the understanding of what's going on neurologically, because that's a big part of Mm -hmm. it. So I'm so grateful for those modalities and the understanding of my brain and 
and the brain and the way that sometimes just sharing with people a little bit of information about their brain makes them go, oh, I'm not crazy. This is just what's happening. Yes. It's like, yeah, like, you know, education and knowledge is so empowering mm-hmm. in that way. And and then in the psychedelic realms and in energy healing, feeling this connection to source and this visceral connection to everything, this visceral interconnectivity to everything, which comes to this oneness or wholeness, unity of all life. And I, I don't think I ever would have been able to feel that and find that knowing um, with just psychotherapy. So I'm really grateful for my experience of dabbling between yes. the realms and of understanding why I can understand why a lot of coaches talk negatively of therapists and speak about how talk therapy doesn't always work or how it can be damaging. And I'm friends with a lot of therapists who talk negatively of coaches and say, well, they don't have any training, like academic background, right? Or same thing with energy healers. They're thinking, oh, well, you know, these don't, people don't remember your past, help you remember your past lives, for example. And for me, I do not put myself in any one of those categories. I'm just Brandolin. Yes. Like here, and I see so much truth, so much value, so much wisdom coming from the shamanic traditions, from psychotherapy and from energy healing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful to my path and to me continuing to follow the pursuit of the medicine I needed Mm -hmm. that led me to the discovery of all these modalities for feeling now like truly integrated and able to bridge them. I think of psychology as like the masculine, as I was saying, it gives this beautiful structure and foundation for the psychedelic work or the energetic work to fully integrate it which into is absolutely an embodied key. state. Yes, yeah. absolutely key. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a really powerful and important share. And I relate in every way. And as I mentioned to you, a lot of my family members, shout outs to my uncles in the family and, and others uh, who are psychotherapists, because let me tell you, mm-hmm. it was real helpful to be able to phone an uncle when I was having my spiritual awakening and you know, just going through various stages in my life. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely, I, I love therapy. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, if, if someone's like, okay, I've got an open <laughs> slot at four, I'm there. Like I, my car is pulling into there and I am there at 3.55. And mm. I think it's wonderful. I've, I've gone to so many different kinds of therapists, psychologists, psychotherapists, be- love them, believe in them. I'm thankful I've always been led and guided to incredible ones. I've even gone to um, couples counseling with my my previous relationship, you know. Granted, the joke is I went to couples therapy alone. <laughs> True story. <laughs> How'd that work? <laughs> and I had my spiritual awakening and I never spoke again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just so funny when I tell that story. I was like, I went to couples counseling before all by myself. <laughs> So good. Um, So, you know, I've done all of that and Mm -hmm. also gone to world-renowned Austrian leech therapists and had him put leeches on above my liver and on my knee Mm. and, you know, gained such reverence for leeches. Like, who would have thought? And 
I mean, you name it. I've just gone to so many different types of practitioners and healers, and I'm just a huge believer and teacher of just not putting people in boxes. You know, we are these mm-hmm. multifaceted, infinite, multidimensional, powerful beyond measure beings, you know, living in infinite space of all that is, you know what I'm saying? And so it's just mm-hmm. like, I just do my best to honor and be witness of anyone else's path and voyage and send love and blessings to it all because there's just, it's infinite what we can learn, where we can go, what we can grow into if we allow ourselves and um, boxes do no one any good in my opinion. So yeah, absolutely. And we still do live in this world that has a level of the matrix. Exactly. There is a lot of 3D debris, as my husband calls it, to work with in this life, you know, so to stay grounded in ourselves and be able to play in the world and relate to the world in a harmonious, graceful way while staying tapped into our soul and our what feels like higher wisdom. Completely energetic part of ourselves to really feel both of those integrated on a daily basis, you know, is, is so important and to not feel like we're taken out of our grounding or away from the earth or, you know, don't want to deal with the matrix because of having a spiritual experience or, or vice versa in the opposite direction, but realize that they're both like right here all the time available to us. And like, we are warriors by being these spirits, these energy bodies in physical form for mm. this incarnation we're so here like for a divine reason our soul chose to be embodied at this time and so we get to fully participate in life and fully show up and for me I mean spiritually I could go live in a cave somewhere and meditate I've been tempted all day to a number of times find myself a personal hot spring where I could just come back to my mermaid self I love like you know being in that element and like, that's just not what I'm here to do. Exactly. So the reverence I have for my life and the gratitude I have for my life makes me so excited to be a very active participant in the world as we know it Absolutely. with the system as it's set up. And so seeing the miracle in all yeah, of it. Right. And, and there still are like the board of executive health councils in each state. So to be able to make myself able to play in the matrix of therapy in its institutionalized um, way feels like a a beautiful way that I get to bridge the realms in this incarnation. So Mm -hmm. lots of gratitude for all of it. Mm. Yeah. That was, oh, that was nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. I feel, (laughs) I feel the same, you know, I really have such reverence for the full spectrum of earthly human emotions and, you know, just when when certain experiences happen here that can only happen when we incarnate in human form and are having these earthly human experiences, while some of them may feel just super anguishing or challenging or just pushing you to a place where you're just not sure you can go on anymore. There's just, if you learn to trust yourself and learn how to, to work it in a healthy way, integrated way, you can still feel the richness and beauty and miracles in those spots and places too. 
Um, and I, I, I like to remind myself and others, you know, we all had our hands up. We were like, I want to incarnate. Yeah, I want to go down and learn about this and have my soul evolve in this way through this experience. And <laughs> I can't wait to, if, I, I forget what it feels like to feel betrayal. Yeah, I'm going to sign up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then we come <laughs> yeah. down here, we're like, no, that one hurts too much, you know, and, it, and, and things do hurt. But it's just, it's all such a miracle. It is a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. So the last couple of things before we get to the ceremony that I wanted to cover with you, I keep hearing the word dominer, dominer, dominer. Uh-huh. I'm like, I don't why, uh-huh. you know, and it was <laughs> funny because, you know, I have another friend who had told me about dominer years ago. She had studied there and lived there and had wonderful things to say about it, had not thought about it or said that word out loud for years until a few days ago, I kept hearing Claire audiently dom on her. And I was like, why am I thinking of that place? And then I run into you on a walk randomly yesterday. And you mentioned Italy. I'm like, hey, by chance, have you ever gone to dom on her? Sure enough, you <laughs> have definitely gone there. And so I know that for some reason, we're supposed to bring this place up. So whatever you're compelled um, and inspired to share about your experience there, I've only heard tales and stories because I've actually never gone. But when my other friends said that there are actual wizards there wearing wizard hats, I was sold. (laughs) So what was your experience? I am so happy to have an opportunity to speak about Damanhoi because I love it so much there. It feels like a world outside of this world, but in this world. And I'm so grateful that it exists and to have the experience of going there. It was created by a man named Falco, who is like the spiritual teacher of this community. And it's said that Damanhor's location on the earth is where four of the earth's major meridian points or energetic channels intersect. And I'm telling you, just driving in to Damanhor, it's like I could feel kind of this warp, like the energy changes. It's powerful and potent and they offer courses on healing and courses on alchemy and they have a whole school that's a mystery school and I first time I visited I visited twice first time I visited just went to see it and was blown away by the kind of rituals that they have on their full moons and on new moons and on the solstices and equinoxes and their whole community thrives from doing theater together. Mm. They really live in the essence of play and interaction together through play. And they have this big theater in the center of their town where they do unbelievable, fun theatrical work and everybody participates. And it's just like, it just makes your inner child like (gasps) feel so alive and so excited on all of the homes at Damanhur, they have rooftop gardens mm. and they raise their own animals, their own bunnies and chickens and pigs, and they make their own honey and their own salves and their own wines. And every house, they call them nuclei. Every nuclei has a greeting tree. So before you can step into the house, you go to the greeting tree oh, and this you is like so put great. your hands on the tree. And commune with the tree before you enter the house. I want to start doing that for my own house. Yeah. And they have a sacred temple of the forest that's just 
so potent, powerful, these different colored pyramids you can meditate in. And they built their own temple at night because it it wasn't legal for them to build this temple. So they did it in the night. And the temples of Dominhor are really like one of the top three most sacred sites I've ever seen in this world in my life to see the devotion of the people. And inside of their temples, they honor every spiritual tradition, Mm. every religion. You'll see like a depiction of Native Americans and then you'll see a depiction of aliens with UFOs painted on the same mural side by side. And all of these different, you know, deities from different cultures, East and, you know, there will be all these different gods and goddesses, depictions in stained glass as little altars to go and visit. And then they also paint images of themselves painted like a self-portrait as an avatar, like themselves as a fully realized being. So in the same room in their temples is all of it brought together, like all of these threads of wisdom and all these different spiritual traditions from all over the world, plus their own realization of themselves as spiritual beings, plus the ancient world and then extraterrestrial worlds all together. And just to see like a temple that has all of that visual stimuli honoring such a full universe of wisdom. I was literally just hearing unity, universe, unity. Um, it just, it's it's incredible, mm. like so powerful and so incredible. You can rent out these different rooms that they have there. They call them halls. And so there's like the hall of waters and the hall of waters is more the divine feminine space. And there's like sacred scriptures and ancient um, writing all over the room. And you can rent them out and go meditate in them. Mm. So I've had long nights of just like sitting in the divine feminine space the hall of waters there and just singing and like listening and being totally in ceremony with just meditation and the energy that they've set in this temple space and um so potent so powerful so beautiful and the second year i went there i did the first year of their alchemy school mm-hmm. training and um it's like as esoteric as it gets yeah in, on the earth you know, at Dominhor, they base a lot of their wisdom and their technologies and their studies off of the philosophy of Atlantis. And a lot of Dominhorians believe they are the people of Atlantis, like the lost world of Atlantis, bringing back the yeah. technology that we lost. And maybe I'm part Atlantean, like in my soul's essence, but I just feel so at home there, uh-huh. you know? So at home and they have really incredible healing modalities. There's this one called Selfica where they use the meridians of the earth and the meridians of your body. And they have these different types of metal and crystal, different wired like circuit combinations. It looks pretty crazy when you look at it and they can go over certain parts of your body with selfica for like a treatment to retune the mm. chakras, retune your system. And they have treatments for all different types of things. Um, one of them is for treating your major organ systems. And when I had this selfica treatment done, like I could feel and 
not only feel, but hear like when the, this device <laughs> went through my, went like past my stomach, you know, kind of as a scanner, I could hear my stomach, like like making all these wow. release noises. And after these self treatments, I feel like just so light, you know, just so like, kind of like I'm walking on a cloud and I feel so much white energy. Like it's just like reset to your original blueprint. It's really powerful and amazing. And again, kind of challenging to put into sure. words, but it's such a powerful place and so beautiful. And to see the way that they're living in community and have been living in conscious community for over 30 years and still talking about things like time travel as though it's real and talking about things like um, programming your next incarnation so mm. that you'll come back in the same community as mm. though that's real. And there are, Cause it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that's incredible to um, go be able to speak to oracles who this is just normal yes. to them. Um, speaks to me so deeply. Yeah. I feel like I'm absolutely meant to, to go there at least once. <laughs> well, I'll come with you because okay. I'm always just wanting to get to Dominor again. There's some incredible people there and they live in harmony as their nuclei. Their big families, about 30 people in every house or nuclei. And they surprise the, each other in the middle of the night like, sorry, you have to move today after two or three years, because they believe that having constant change in life is what keeps you young. Mm. The eternal youth is constantly having to change. So That's someone in the community can say, okay, you're moving houses. And they're like, oh, my life's changing. And that's just very normal as a custom. And in relationships there, they only get married for one year. Wow. You get married for one year and then you can get remarried again the oh. next year. Um, and it's to be in full choice and full agency. And Do it, you keep doing that every year if you want? Uh -huh. It's by, by the year, though. So there are some couples that have been married 64 times, and they've been married for 64 years. And oh. then there are some couples who were married for two or three years, and then they decided to not get married again for a few years, and then they decided to get married again later. But that's pretty radical, too, just one year long commitments wow. um, for marriage and I think that it is beautiful to see marriages with our full agency and sovereignty we're choosing it again you know so even in this western mm. world being married like I love to practice kind of a renewing of yes. our vows or a, let's choose to get married again now um, we just had our first year wedding anniversary and had a nice little ritual on the beach because it feels important you know, to feel our full yeah. choice yes. in choosing each other and in choosing love every day, really, again and again and again. Yeah. So those rituals can be a beautiful way to do it. But Tom and her is so out there and so esoteric and such a incredible place. It almost feels like being in a different world yeah. and the integrity that they're holding with their rituals that they practice to honor the earth in all of its seasons are, mm -hmm. are just so beautiful to witness. So I'm really excited for you and I <laughs> hope that you make it there and we'll have to plan a trip. I'm all about it because <laughs> I mean, there's no mistaking the fact that it was being whispered in my ear and mm -hmm. then just randomly run into <laughs> you on a 
walking trail. And I'm like, have by chance have you <laughs> gone to Dominher in Italy? Why, yes, I have. Well, let's talk about that tomorrow. I mean, hello. <laughs> Listening great spirit. You're gonna you. love it. I know. The different types of healing modalities and psychic readings yes. and tarot readings and even channeling or communication with beings from other planets yes. um, that they have as part of their programming, yeah. you know, is just like nowhere else. And so potent, mm. so potent. I feel it so. even as you've been sharing. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And so before we get, I'm so super excited about, because I can tell by the crystal bowl, partly what we're immersing into for your ceremonial offering. Is there anything else that you just um, feel compelled to talk about, whether it's intimacy or anything else? I, of course, always put all of your links and you know to your website and everything in the show notes and on my instagram post so they'll be able to track you down but um anything that you want to express um yeah uh, music mm. you know i think before you had asked me like how i kept that part of myself as a child that was awakened in my soul's knowing of my pleasure and of my myself and i um after responding and then sitting here and thinking a little bit more about it, I realized, oh, music, like my whole life. Since I was a child, I've sang and played piano and played harp and practiced music. And it's just been a natural convergence in my adult life to work with sound healing as a way to move energy in a way to shift frequency um, through sound. And I, for me, like music really is the language of my soul. Mm -hmm. And I think that even as a child, continuing to play music, practice music, sing was a way that I got in touch with my soul, a way that I got to know my soul, you know, a way I had one-on-one -on -one time with myself and my essence and kind of built that muscle of trusting yeah. my inner knowing. Just music's a way that I get to engage with my soul and listen to myself on such a deep level. And I think everybody's a musician and everybody's a singer and everybody, we all are our own greatest healers. Yes. No doubt. And so just really encourage that. And, you know, these crystal bowls are such a beautiful addition to our meditation practice and really such a simple and easy instrument to play and to just listen to the vibration, listen to the tone and match our voice and to be in that receptivity and that opening to spirit, to source and to our, our higher selves is such a beautiful practice. And I don't know that I'd be who I am today without the connection that I've had to music and to singing and playing instruments. And because that time was like, a spiritual practice mm -hmm. when it was music practice I think it really helps me to um, have a deeper sense of who I am and a deeper sense of self-knowledge self-mastery and to trust my intuition and trust my gut even beyond what I may have heard or um, been taught I was supposed to believe so yeah. Super grateful for that. It's so powerful, you know, and especially with our voice, claiming the power of our voice. And as women, there's such a strong connection between the second chakra and the fifth chakra between our sexuality and our intimacy and our relational energy and our 
creative expression in the world that comes through our voice. And so to be in the practice of allowing ourselves to release energy, emotional energy through our voice is is so profound and so beautiful and such a deep way to be always connecting to our sense of sensuality. There's just like such a beautiful correlation and connection there. And so I really encourage for anybody who's listening to sing as if no one's listening and to practice releasing energy through the voice on a daily basis and just have fun playing with the world that opens up of us harnessing our own instrument. Our instrument is our voice and our body. And so there's a whole deeper level of embodiment that's just available to everybody when we begin to presence our awareness and our time and our attention there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Second all of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, is there anything we should know? Do you want us to lay down, sit up, or any other instructions before you begin? Yeah, if you can lay down or sit in lotus, a meditative position, that's beautiful. But wherever you are, no matter what it is you're doing, we invite you to take a moment with us to drop in. And the practice I'm going to be sharing today is a grounding practice. And even though that sounds so simple, it's really not. It's such a big foundational piece for us to be fully grounded on the earth and to know how to calm our nervous system, to know how to resource ourselves when we need to, um, to really hold this full experience of life with all it has to offer and to feel fully embodied in ourselves. And this is a practice that you don't need some fancy room to be able to do. You don't need a specific hour of every day to be able to do it. You can take this practice and do a short version of it while you're going to the bathroom in between meetings or arriving somewhere. You can do this practice as you walk. You can do this practice in your car. Just take three minutes before you get out of your car when you arrive somewhere. I ground myself often throughout the day, probably about four or five times. And it's a booster to our grounding as a practice that teaches us how to calm our nervous system and how to release emotional energy in a healthy way that's so profound and so beautiful and through that we're invited into much deeper presence so thank you so much for listening and i invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose exhaling out your mouth with some sound <sighs> Practice having your exhalations longer than your inhalations. Inhaling through the nose, filling up the belly, the heart, the chest, drinking in the air, and exhaling through the mouth. <sighs> Closing your eyes. 
Breathing in through the nose, into your belly. Taking your deepest breath of the day and sipping in that divine air. Filling yourself up completely. And exhaling, releasing. <sighs> Breathing in through the nose. And as you exhale, wiggle your jaw from side to side. <sighs> Calling all of your energy back to you in this moment. Visualizing that your spine is a long, strong, powerful, most powerful magnet. And allow all aspects of yourself, all of your energy, all of your atoms and molecules to return home, to come fully into center. And as you breathe in, inviting the fullness of all of you to be here now. Feeling your body connect to the chair or the ground, connect you to the earth. Feel how supported you are by the earth. Feel yourself being held. And allow yourselves to surrender to the force of gravity. Feeling the support, the tranquility, the reliability, the steadfast nature of our earth. And bringing your awareness to the base of your spine. Visualize your root, your grounding cord effortlessly flowing down with that force of gravity, plugging your physical body into the body of earth. Visualize that root continuing to lengthen and expand, multiply, getting longer and stronger as it effortlessly grows down through all the layers of rock sediment, through the layers of lava, through the layers of oils, continuing seeing your root expand, getting stronger, multiplying, getting longer, effortlessly with the force of gravity reaching the very center of the earth. And find this place in the center of the earth that's designed just for you. Your sacred inner earth connector. And allow yourself to release any energy that is not yours. 
Let it go through that grounding cord. Allowing yourself to release any energy that does not belong to you. And I invite you to silently affirm to yourself, I am now releasing any energy that does not belong to me. I am now releasing any energy that does not serve my highest light. I'm thanking the earth for her innate intelligence in composting and transmuting in the way that the dried autumn leaves become the colorful, soft, fragrant spring flowers. Knowing you can trust in the earth, you can trust in your connection to the earth and in your grounding. You don't need to hold it all. And see if there's anything else you may be holding in your body, in your energy body, that you can gently invite and allow to be released, to soften, to give back to the earth, to shed. And focusing on the soles of your feet, Allowing those little chakras on the soles of your feet to dilate open to 100%. Visualizing your feet chakras opening just like the pupil of an eye. And as you breathe in, breathe in this energy of the earth. The earth's medicine from the core of the earth up into your body, up into your feet your ankles, your knees, your thighs, your hips. And as you exhale, release down your root. Inhaling, visualizing that your feet, your calves, your knees, your thighs, your legs, your womb, your belly is covered in wild flowers and fresh green grasses. And allow your body to fully bathe in the medicine of the earth. Exhalations longer than your inhalations. Breathing in this renewed earth medicine and exhaling, releasing.
feeling this circuit of energy, your ability to release and let go, your ability to refill your own cup with every breath. Feeling yourself as a spirit in a human body, bounded and grounded, walking through this world with ease and grace. crystal found on Mount Shasta, allowing your solar plexus, your sense of power, your divine will to feel clarity through the energy of Mount Shasta. sing with me. Earth my body, water my blood, air my breath and fire my spirit. Earth my body, water my blood, Air my breath and fire my spirit. Earth my body, water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit.
I love that song as a way for us to connect to the elements of the earth and the elements within us. Ah, oh, so nourishing. Thank you so much for your generosity of just sharing about your personal journey and giving so many different tools and steps and tips that we can all incorporate, of course, if it speaks to us and mm -hmm. for this ceremonial offering as well. I really appreciate your time and energy, sister. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be here. Really grateful to connect with you more. Mm, likewise. Yeah. All right, Soul Fam listening, thank you once again for voyaging with us. And this ceremony circle is now officially sealed with honor, gratitude, reverence, and is now closed. Aho. Aho. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point, Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred ceremony circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the ceremony circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.